So it's been a minute since we've talked about the trailer because we had a we were in a mad rush to finish it. And so the last episode we left off, we had a lot to do. We were still installing lights. Still have to put the floor in. We still have to assemble the jockey boxes, run beer lines, run all the electrical to the batteries. We had a lot to do. Yeah, we had a few late nights there. Yeah. A little couple of nine, ten o'clockers. But got it done. Everything seemed to basically go off without a hitch that I can think of. Agreed. The lights turned out awesome. We didn't yeah. really use them at the wedding because it, we were done before it was dark, but... Yeah. Yeah. It looked fantastic in the end, and like you said, there really was no big hiccups, which was good because yeah. we did have some late nights, and it did come down to the wire, so... Good planning, though. Yeah. So let's back up. Let's talk about the floor. Okay. Um, well, is that... Is that where you guys want to start? Sure. Why not? Okay. Let's talk about the floor. From the bottom up. That was just, we didn't, did we put a subfloor down? Yeah, we ended up putting a we did. subfloor um, and then a vapor barrier and then yep. just a floating tongue and groove laminate. So talk about the subfloor first. Subfloor is just thin wood. I don't know what kind of wood it is. I, it's not actual subfloor. It's really thin like OSB, I would say, like. Yeah. layered plywood. Um, okay, why did you choose that? So it would be cheap to replace, honestly. There's going to be moisture on either side of it, you know, what be it the moisture from the road or or the moisture from pouring beer. So inevitably at some point you're going to need to replace that, and that's why we went with the floating, floating floor, so you could just pull it out. It's, it's not like a house either. Like, that's the trailer, so it's going to move, and I feel like that material gives a little bit there's some yeah some flexibility to it and some strength to it that's going to hold up over time with the trailer moving from place to place possibly exactly and with the floating floor it offers room for expansion you know because you're going to take it from cool areas to hot areas and the wood is inevitably going to increase in size and decrease in size so if you're bolting things down that's going to cause problems with cracking and splitting and all that Okay, and then you put a th- you put something over that that wood, the vapor barrier, the vapor barrier, which is is that roofing material? No, it's for it's underlayment for it? laminate flooring. Which the way laminate flooring is made nowadays, it's pretty durable, so it probably could have gotten away without it. But that's twenty bucks. Might as well go above and beyond. I think it's probably pretty important being that the underside of that trailer is exposed somewhat. So if you are transporting it in wet conditions, inevitably moisture finds a way in. And yeah. that's just a little bit of help to keep it from happening. And that's because we left the original floor in the trailer, which has the the wood is going lengthwise with the trailer and then there are there's gaps between there. Yeah, yeah. they're like two by sixes laid down yeah. in the bottom. With maybe a quarter inch gap. Yeah. So if you're traveling in the rain, it's going to throw some water up underneath the floor. So that's kind of why we didn't want to seal it or, or mount a permanent floor to it, you know. Because so, if the water gets in there, it needs to be able to get out. So. Right. 
So then over the vapor barrier, you laid... Laminate. Laminate. Tongue and groove. And that was easy. First time I've ever done that. It was super easy. Not much to it, actually. I mean, I did cut some of the boards wrong the first time, just because... I told you to cut them that way. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> you speak... I know about that. We speak different languages sometimes, but that's part of it. Part of the whole manufacturing process. So you started in one corner, and then you worked your way to the back of the trailer? Is that what you did, or did you go... You basically... St- what we did is we started from, say, the driver's side wall, and you fit that in, and then you stagger the pieces... Uh, as you go across. So we started with a four foot section, I think, and figured out the rest of the pieces for that one row. And then you go down to a three foot section and so on and so forth, row by row. So you stagger them so that the joints aren't all in the same line with each other. Okay. Yeah, it strengthens the floor and it just aesthetically looks a lot better. Yeah. And you always want to run it, run laminate flooring the long way. If you're in a whatever type of room you're doing, it just looks better. Okay. And it's generally easier. Yeah, the lines kind of look like they follow everything else in the trailer. The panel on the inside, the lines kind of follow that. And aesthetically, it just it does look well. Which is the next thing we did, the paneling, with, which we went back and forth on numerous times, whether or not we were going to do like tongue and groove on the walls or just paneling. And we found this white paneling that mimics shiplap and it looks great. So we went with it. Yeah, it was, that was a lot easier than I had envisioned for. Yeah. I mean, we like the tongue and groove part. I mean, any, anything else other than that paneling would have been pretty difficult. I think, I mean, we'd have figured it out, but it'd been a lot more Yeah. Thinking and mounting would have been difficult. I don't wouldn't consider it cutting corners either or cutting costs. It's just if you look at it, it looks good. Yeah, I mean, this is the part where you pull up a picture of it, right? Right. Put it in there, and it looks amazing. It doesn't look like we cut corners at all. It looks like it was intended to be done that way, which it was for sure. And it was one. I mean, you know, it was kind of a learn as you go thing. But we're pretty. I'm an overthinker, so I think that helps. it hurts a lot of times, but sometimes it helps. But I think by the time, you know, when you think about things constantly until you get to the point where you're actually doing it, it's a lot easier to make a decision, I think. Yeah. So once we got to the point of doing the walls, it was like, oh, yeah, let's just do paneling because we don't have any furring strips to mount it to, or which we ended up did. We did end up putting furring strips in there to mount to. But like I said, if it would have been tongue and groove, you know, four inch. That would have been very difficult. Part of what I like about the paneling is the tongue and groove that we did, the spalted maple, it sticks out. Like if we had done tongue and groove on the walls on the inside, it might not have, it might yeah. not stand out as much. Mm-hmm. Valid point. Yeah, and then we put trim over the floor to let it float. We left the flooring about three-eighths of an inch from all the walls. Like I said, it expands with heat and moisture, so... Then we put the, I don't know, what do you, do we use one by fours for, for the trim? For the trim, it was... Oh, it was the baseboards that you baseboards, mounted yeah. the LED lights in. Yeah. Which, like I said, it, tur- it turned out so awesome. I, I yeah. know we're biased, but it it looks great. The 
the the maple with that bluish gray just matches really well. And I mean, Brian's right now in the process of finishing adding the the uh, spalted maple on the sides of the trailer to accent pieces. Yes, to cover up pieces. the. There's still a few openings. There was a few things that we did not get to, but um, nobody would have noticed. No, correct stuff that we wanted to do. That and it didn't matter in the setting that it was in. Right, there was no rain. There was no. Was I mean. Not, it took me eight years to finish the shoe molding at my old house, and the only person <laughs> that noticed was my wife. Like, we had so many people over, and not once did somebody say, hey, give me ever Well, I take that back. Shooter used to mention that every time he'd come over. Okay. When well, are you going to finish that shoe mold? <laughs> he's basically <laughs> like your wife. I mean, <laughs> known you almost as long. That's true. It was it was fun. I, did, I don't ever want to do it again. <laughs> I mean, I kind of yeah. do. <laughs> Everything went really well. I don't feel like there was any big issues, which makes me never want to do it again. You know, when when you do a big project yeah. like that and everything seems to go well. I think the only issue we had was CBC falling right before. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah just timing. Yeah. It's just timing. Like, like I keep saying, anytime there's a deadline or a hard date, like things just get weird towards the end because you're scrambling. Yep. And and you know we both came from skilled trades and you learn when you when you're doing any type of project the first 90% is the easiest part and the, it takes the least amount of time it's that last 10% that takes 90% of the time finishing finishing it. touches yep like if if this thing was rusted and we had structural issues and i don't know that, yeah that would have there been there's so many things that could have gone wrong that didn't thankfully yeah that would have been a whole different animal and it'd be easy to say oh that was fun let's do it again but we've done enough things in our lives to know that not everything's going to go perfectly right. every time but who knows we'll probably start working on another one next week <laughs> <laughs> wait till it gets slow again yeah i definitely don't want to do that in the middle of the warehouse no, no. when it's busy yeah yeah derek put up a lot <laughs> with us he did he's a patient man so along the the baseboard there you we put some led lights into the trim in order to, for light to shine on the floor as well yeah that actually worked out pretty easy too and it wasn't until we got to the point where it was time to start putting that in that i was exactly sure how it was going to all come together uh, but then when i started laying it out and putting the baseboards down and just kind of staging them so I knew what we were doing, like having that channel in the back of the baseboards that we routed in there um, for the wiring just worked out perfect. And um, I think the hardest part was what you had to do with the wiring to extend the connections and stuff like that. I mean, it all just kind of kind of fell on you to figure out how to do that part. I mean, the, the, the baseboards and the... The rest of it was easy. It was just the wiring that I think was the most difficult part of that whole process. Yeah, and so what ended up happening, there was three lights in each board, and so we ran the wires all to one end, yep. and I basically clipped them all so they were the same length, tied them all together because it's just positive and negative at that point, tied them all together, and then ran another line from the front of the trailer to the batteries, to the bus bar. That was hooked up to the batteries. and so What's a bus bar? 
Um, it's a bar that, so there's a positive negative negative that run from the battery to a this bar that has a bunch of connection points on it. So you can connect five or six different wires to the to one bar, which then connects to the battery. So you're not just running a bunch of wires to the batteries. So it's just a just another connection point. Gotcha. And then I also threw a um, positive uh, uh, on off switch for the battery, so we can turn the batteries on and off. And the dimmer switches. And the dimmer switches, that's right. Which are pretty cool. Yep. The, the, it's too. It's unfortunate that we didn't get to use lighting in that setting because it really does look pretty cool with the... Yeah, that's part of why I offered it up to our friend Scott in the middle of this month for a party so we can get some pictures yeah, of it at night. Uh, what else did we do? You guys, had, you guys put a bunch of... Well, I don't think any of the spalted maple was mounted... Or uh, added to the side of the trailer when we when we were here in here last. No, maybe we should listen so. to it. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so the, that that's was something a long time that ago, actually, yeah. probably would have done differently. Um, so what we did was the spalted maple was tongue and groove. It varies from like three to five inches, and there's a a bar an up up and down vertical bar in the middle of the trailer. So the tongue and groove was separated. So we basically made two panels and cut them so it looked like the board just continued. But we took the tongue and groove and we glued it to some OSB. Uh, and that didn't, it worked well. It made it easy to mount the panel to the trailer, but it the glue made it get a little bendy. You know, it flexed quite a bit. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if I'd do it that way again. I think it worked out pretty good. Um, I think... Mounting it to the trailer flatten the assemblies out, so to speak. Like so, yeah. I think what you're saying is when we glued the tongue and groove together and to the OSB, it kind of took on some weird curvature yeah. based on. I don't know if it was the tongue and groove being a little bit warped, or the OSB being a little bit warped, or just the nature of how it wound up. But it looks awesome. We it ended does. up using. Uh, carriage bolts that have like a round top almost like a rivet look to them um but as i was mounting those it made me think shit if one of these boards gets cracked or damaged or whatever we can't just replace one board so if we ever had to do it again i would rather like weld some sort of slot system in there so you could just drop the tongue and groove in um mm, that's, that's right we and did talk about that if something were to happen in the future you just pull them all out and replace it I but forgot we talked about that. Yeah, you have yeah. so many good ideas. Like it's God, hard you. to remember. Somebody acknowledged it finally. <laughs> <laughs> it's always after the fact, though. That's the problem. Your timing so. <laughs> Woulda, coulda. Yeah, I, I, I do like to think I come up with a lot of ideas. So it usually ruins everything. Oh, but we could do this. Well, we're already halfway done doing this. And the bar top, the bar top part worked out great like we, yeah we, i don't think we talked about that yet mm -mm. nope we had, we had some live edge yep wood that we were using for the for both sides because we cut out windows on both sides most trailers don't you don't see that but right. our trailer actually opens up yeah and the bar tops were in, initially made for my office by Corey at cedar run decoys they're live edge cherry um i used them in the sill on my in my office by the window but they seem to be perfect. They're not very deep. I don't know. They were six to eight inches deep probably. But 
I thought they were perfect from both sides of like as a server and as a consumer. You know, there's no need to have a two foot bar there. You're not sitting there bellied up watching the right the, the ESPNs. You know, right? Function seem to function. Yeah, it makes the exchange well. easy and it looks great. Uh, the guy I bought the spalted maple from. I asked him about the cherry, and he said, wood goes with wood. That was his answer, because I wasn't sure if the cherry would go well with the maple, but he wasn't entirely wrong. I don't know. I like We we have cherry for the doors, and I do like it. I just, I don't know. I don't yeah. love it. I think it, I wish it was lighter. I wish we'd have gone with something like a, I don't know, birch or something. Mm-hmm. Doors, too? Just the doors. Just the doors? Leave the bar the way it is? and I don't know. It, I feel like it's missing something. Maybe maybe uh logo on the oh, windows or the doors. Yeah. I still don't know if they're doors or windows. So speak- I don't either. And that was that was fun trying to figure out the the shocks on those. Oh yeah, that was very fun. Yeah, that's what I was gonna bring up. So originally you guys had uh chosen what kind of shocks or what size, weight? There what's how are they rated? I think we initially Pounds. Pounds. Were, yeah. They're, they're, it's a gas, internal gas shock, so um, it's constantly pushing, right? Like your 87 hatchback escort. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure most listeners know exactly what we're talking about. Probably probably the exact same shocks that were in those. But yeah. we started off with 30 pounds, and it was a little aggressive. Um, we put two on each window. I think it was 30 pounds. Didn't we start off with 30 or 50 I think it might have been 50. It was very aggressive, whatever we started off with. and uh, Yeah, it was like a medieval weapon. It was. <laughs> it, it would have been a catapult had we opened that window with those shocks on there. Uh, we tried, I think we tried 15-pounders mm-hmm. and uh, didn't quite work right. But I think we went yeah, to it 20. Yeah, didn't quite have Because there was initially... You know, because the mo- most of the compressions and the initial extension, right? Yeah. So as it was opening, it was it was like, oh yeah, this is going to be great. But then it would just didn't have the gusto to push it that last fifteen percent. Right. Yeah, and then finding the pivot point for those was pretty interesting too. It's something I have experienced in the past, but usually with uh, working with CAD in the CAD model of the spring to know where to pivot from, but we had to do it the old-fashioned way, and I will say it ended up working out great. Yeah, naturally we hit it on the first swing. Right. That's exactly what I expected. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> it only took four different shocks. <laughs> I, I think I still have wood filler in my Amazon cart. <laughs> when you were drilling the holes, I was like... <laughs> you might want to leave it in there. I still got to put those accent pieces on. <laughs> Yeah, that was that's a good point. That's another thing that when we got to that point because it was late. Yeah, I was like, oh shit! Like literally, the the hardest part of this thing is happening in the most crucial moment. But it all went. It went good. Yeah, we had hours to spare. Moments. Plenty of minutes. Did we miss anything on as far as building goes? We talk, did we talk about the jockey boxes? No, no, the jockey box. So, again, we did end up going with jockey boxes as opposed to a tap wall just for versatility in case somebody wants to cook tacos in there or something and they're not forced to have that wall permanently. 
But we did mount a backsplash with a mounted drip tray to the jockey boxes, and that kind of gave it a nice finished touch. It, look, it looks like a bar. And we, the drip trays did have a drain, which made it nice. Which ran into a bucket. Yes, which was fine. I mean, you know, I like I tried to find this like a fancy looking rectangular bucket, but you know, when all is said and done, it's a bar, and I think people expect to see bar towels and you know yeah. rinsers and all that stuff that you need to operate a bar. It doesn't all have to be glamorous. I think that's part of the charm of it. Like they say, don't look in the kitchen, right? Yeah. But we we had we set it up intentionally so they could look and you know we left the door open, mounted that menu to it, so then people could walk up and see what was going on. Yeah, I liked that part of it. We left the door open, yeah, so people could see. It, it was very engaging. I spent yeah. a lot of time, like, of course, I drank a few beers while we were there. So half the time, I would walk over to that door. And just kind of hang out and stand, just because it was nice to see in there, and and it was inviting. Felt, yeah, yeah. Cool. So now that we have the build wrapped up, right? I think that's everything that we. Ah, uh, the tables. Oh yes, we put a sink in there too. Yeah. So we we originally thought two fifteen-inch wide tables, one four foot. The other one was about two and a half to three feet for the other side. For the one side that's got the, the door that opens. So we wanted that one a little bit shorter. But after we built the tables and put them in there, it just it was too cramped, especially with two bartenders in there, that it was just it was too much. So we not we wound up not using one of the tables. Plus when you're standing up at the window, it was easier to engage with people if you could get right up to it. Yeah. And so it just felt a little bit more comfortable as a bartender to be able to like lean onto the table at the the window area right. yeah and that everything went well it was was there 150 people there yeah i see a lot of questions on the mobile bar facebook page that we follow um about how like how difficult it is to serve 150 people and you know that rush that you get right before dinner that was the busiest part and they knocked it out no issues Yep, and we had eight beers on tap. That's what I was just gonna say. Well, there was a wine and a seltzer, but eight carbonated beverages on tap. On tap, and I mean, we had the cool thing about that trailer is we have both sides available. So if it got really busy, we could serve out of both sides, but they didn't even have to. It just went perfect. Yeah, 150 people, roughly eight taps. I don't think I saw anybody get a beverage that was full of foam I think that's the one of the coolest parts about the trailer is how easy it is to use and how easy it is to take care of and clean up at the end yeah and I think that's a kind of the point of using the jockey boxes um, yeah and I think we get a whole lot crazier with refrigeration and all that stuff but it's kind of overkill yeah. It definitely seems like it would have been overkill. I mean, if you need a freezer or something, then don't rent a mobile bar like that. Yeah. But, you know, it's just. And we were able to fit 13 kegs in this keg storage area, which was more than we would need, obviously. Yeah, that's but insane. 
It's good to know. There was, I mean, most of them were six tools, but there was a couple quarter barrels in there. Plenty of storage space. Yep. And yeah. that's with the battery under there. So. Yep. And that's just icing down the jockey boxes too. Right? Yep. No. And we had a lot of beer, extra beer, so we didn't necessarily need 13 kegs, but right. you know, we we probably only went through half of it, and then we only went through a quarter of the wine that we brought. So there was a lot left over, but we didn't know. I mean, yeah, and different different crowds drink differently. You know, if it had been more 60-year-olds, we would have gone through a lot more wine, I feel like. Yeah. We did run out of was it Chardonnay? Yeah, <laughs> that was expected. Malps was the Pilsner was the first thing to go, which is yep. I'd have put a hundred bucks on that. And then the Prosecco went. Yep. Surprisingly, we didn't run out of all day IPA. I thought for sure that would be a popular. That was one. pretty close. That was, was it? Was that a quarter left? Was that okay. a quarter barrel? Was that yeah. a full yeah. quarter? Barrel? Yep. We went. I think we went through both kegs of Malps. Yep, both kegs of Malps, and then. Kona went pretty quick. Ah, Kona yes. Kona brown ale. Yep. Coffee the, brown. That was also a surprise, too. I mean, mm-hmm. your dad was there, but he probably had three at that. Um, one or two, maybe. So. I think That's he pushing was. pushing it for him. Yeah. Was he drinking Melf's that night, or was he drinking, or does he not drink? Kona's his drink. favorite. Yeah. Like once or twice a year, he'll have a, a beer or two. Gotcha. Law of averages. You make up for it. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's got to drink one, somebody's got to drink 100. Yeah, exactly. 1% of fishermen catch 99% of the beers. That's what my dad always said, something like that. That's the one thing I've never heard your dad say before. <laughs> <laughs> so I, we briefly talked about our plans for the trailer, for the future. I think we've talked about you know creating some content from it like this, uh, but we have tons of build videos and documented footage that we can throw together and then we want to use it for to make other videos but like you said our buddy is using it in a couple weeks for a was it a birthday party a wedding a reception wedding. okay yeah and i'll probably throw a neighborhood party at my house with it it's just fun i mean it's a yeah. it's a cool thing and it's it's easy to set up it's e- like brian said it's easy to clean up so we might as well take advantage of it. I don't like. I don't know if we're gonna sell it or keep it or run it out. Who knows? It's hard to say what to do with it at this point. I'm not the, not the brains of this operation, anyways. But well, you're not the good looks either. So what's? I don't know. You tell me what. The <laughs> <I'm doing. laughs> Just kidding. It must be my personality. But I also don't think we need to make a decision right away right. with it. We can just kind of let it let it be and. It's being used. It's got, you know, there's some stuff on the calendar for it, and we can play it by ear, I think. Yeah, it'd be fun to... Yeah, it's kind of an advertisement for Cold Break on some level, like the ability to let people use it and make the content and stuff like that. I think it helps show a lot of what Cold Break can do. Yeah, I'd like to do a cocktail party, too, see what it's like to mix cocktails in there but then my mind immediately goes to batching cocktails because I don't want to make a margarita one at a time yep I don't want to drink a margarita one at a time (laughs) (laughs) well you only have two hands well anything else guys yeah I'm trying to think of any of the 
Um, build stuff. One thing I learned quickly um, was in transportation, and Brian and I threw all, pulled all the kegs out of the coolers and threw them in our trucks and brought them to the wedding and then loaded them into the trailer. And we definitely should have just put them in the trailer and used the trailer like a trailer. <laughs> but obviously you want to make sure make sure everything's secure, but 13 kegs fit in there really nicely and it would have been fine. It, I know it was fine because I pulled it away from the wedding with the kegs in it and it was perfect. I did leave the jockey boxes in there on the way back because it was late and we had to get out of there. I don't know if I would, I probably wouldn't travel that way if they weren't, I definitely wouldn't if they weren't secured because that would suck if you got <laughs> to your location and the jockey box was laying Smashed, on the floor. yeah. Yeah, it looks like you guys had kind of turned them and wedged them in there a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it, but again, if it was some, if this was a, if the trailer itself was, you know, the nucleus of a business that we were running, then we would be more intentional on the setup. Like we would build the tap wall, you know, if we knew what we were going to be doing every week, you know, we offered these three cocktails and these three beers or whatever, we would know what we would need. But since we don't, that's why we went with jockey boxes. So definitely would want more of a permanent or easily removable option when it comes to the boxes. Yeah, and I think that we've learned from, like even from Michelle, um, from, I, what's? Tipsy. Tipsy trailer, yep. She's got, oh, how many trailers now? A lot, and they're all a little bit different. So just because we built one that's got eight taps in it, like the next trailer, if we built one, could only have three in it. Like that serves a specific purpose, having the ability to pour eight beers or eight, you know, carbonated beverages at once. I am eyeballing this army trailer right now. <laughs> It's like a Not wagon surprised. style trailer. It's uh, olive drab. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be a good four four tap, you know, four half barrel kind of a good old boy. Just a st- wagon, like straight trailer, serve yourself kind of oh. a deal. Yeah, exactly. That sounds awesome. All right, I'm going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell Derek. <laughs> In closing, I, and you know, it's easy for, for us to say that it was an easy thing to do, but we do have a lot of experience, you know, not necessarily in building horse trailers, but we have the, the tools, the three of, between the three of us needed to be successful in that sort of a thing. And if you don't have, you know, a history in, with electricity or welding or any type of fabricating, it would, it would have been a lot different. I think it would. I think it's a lot harder than it seemed for us. Yeah. I definitely, if if I didn't know about it, I don't know if I'd jump head first. Right. I would I would seek somebody to build it for me. Yeah. yeah. I think it was cool how the three of us all kind of did our part in a specific fashion. Like yeah. anytime it got to something that I didn't understand, it was either you or like one of you two. Yeah, that worked out well. Yeah. yeah. And if you don't have that resource, then... It would definitely be easier to have somebody else do it, I think. Yeah. yeah, and after doing this once, I think we could take an, a new trailer or an, an additional trailer and look at it and brainstorm together. Instead, we just kind of got after it. You know, I had this idea with the ma- the spalted maple, and that was it. That's what we started that with. Was, and that was the kickoff. Yeah, and it just kind of went exactly. Yeah, but I think if we had a plan with goals and all that, it would make it go even more smoothly. 
But maybe not, you know. <laughs> then you run into issues where there's, you know, angle steel where you want to mount some wood screws. And then you have to ad- adapt and adjust. So, I don't know. I don't know what the point of all that was. So, do, are, do you do you think we need to dive deeper into any of this? Like, I know we talked before about, you know, the first four episodes here were basically our decision-making. And then this recap episode kind of going over, you know, what we liked and didn't like, how it went. Do we need to dive deeper into these topics and subjects? And, like, do we need to talk about electricity more? Do we need to talk about... Honestly, know, I think a Q&A would be, would be a good thing to do. Because, like I said, a lot of this stuff comes easy to us, so we don't think of it as a problem area or a trouble spot, you know. So maybe mm-hmm. we just reach out on Facebook and ask our customers if they have questions and then we do a recap that way that seems like a pretty good idea Uh, so much happened in the last like three weeks with that thing like we did these podcasts and there was incremental steps forward but then after the last podcast till this one like we did like a lot of the work right and so yeah um yeah i guess i don't know what my point is about that either but uh I think it's harder to isolate certain points of it. Yeah. It's easier to just, you know, broad explain. We have to ask questions to to generate answers. You know, like I want Steve from Athens, Georgia to say, how did you know what flooring to use? Yeah. And then we'll just give them the exact same answer. Oh, I just (laughs) was at Menards and it was 329. It it matched. It looked good. What's Menards? All right, let's wrap it up. Bye, guys. Bye. Later.